0: My first graders' headphones have a inline mic, but it doesn't always work. And we tried to tell Zoom to not use it to just use the the mic from the actual laptop. It doesn't do it. So I unplugged his headphones so that he could talk, which meant I could hear. Right? And the teacher was trying to get them to do something. And I'm not kidding you; she couldn't get a single sentence out without one of the without one of the 26 kids in the class mrs fun mrs fun like constantly i had to i had to make him plug the headphones back in i couldn't take it (laughs) i don't know know how she gets anything done she's a saint
1: i know well i saw this meme about teachers like elementary school teachers it's like hello everyone hello everyone and they're like ah and like high schoolers hello everyone and they're just like
0: what yeah they don't even have their their uh they don't even have their um video on half the time probably
1: yeah well my kids stay home on fridays now they have virtual on fridays Um, They had like 40 kids sent home from the middle schools the other day Uh, because of like there's like three cases. But it's like if you're it depends how close you sit next to that person if you have to go home, too. So,
0: Where do you want to start? I think we should start. Well, we can do a quick follow up and talk for a minute about we talked about foldable device so it's been two weeks basically yes
1: because
0: we didn't record last week we didn't record last week we had a special interview i did post we did post one last week and actually that's a good point so if you are listening to that well you obviously are listening because you just heard me say that but if you're listening to this podcast you'll notice that we publish our regular episodes on thursdays that's our normal publishing schedule however because we've had so many opportunities to interview some really great special guests, most of the time we will also publish a special interview episode on like a Monday or Tuesday. Today we actually have an interview that we will be including in this episode. So it's like a bonus within a bonus, but um, (laughs) we've had, I know it's, it's pretty, pretty fun. Um, But last week I interviewed a friend of mine, Andy Owen for our regular episode um it's pretty pretty interesting he talks about the corporate life of a youtuber or or the remote life of a corporate youtuber excuse me which I didn't even know corporate youtubers were a thing but they are and he is one and it was fun um and then on at the beginning of this week we published a special episode with Andy Puttycomb who is the co-founder of Headspace it was a great interview it was a lot of fun he was a blast to have a conversation with. He was a formerly a Buddhist monk and he co-founded Headspace, I think 10, or 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and so we had a conversation about burnout and creating boundaries. And that was a really good conversation. And I think we're going to maybe talk a little bit about that today, but I just want to encourage everybody to go back. Even if this is the first episode you've listened to, there are some really great interviews um, in addition to our regular episodes. So just wanted to throw that out there yeah.
1: totally taken 29 steps to the next level so i'm pretty excited <laughs> <Yeah>. about that
0: <laughs> it's almost like you get two podcasts in one right you subscribe to 29 steps and you get our episodes and then we also do these fun extra interviews um i actually recorded so we'll have one come out on probably monday uh that i recorded i'm not gonna tell you who it is yet but it was a yeah cool. so lots of exciting things coming up a couple of other um interviews kind of in the pipeline in the works that haven't totally dialed in so i don't want to give too much away yet but it's it's fun so
1: and plus you get to listen to someone besides us for a change and i know that's you love, true our, our voices are lovely and we're very entertaining but we like to mix things up with some special guests and really give you um, some expertise about the things that are happening as, re- as related to our podcast with work life balance and technology because believe it or not we're not the only ones with all the answers.
0: <laughs> right and the cool thing is for example, one of our first interviews we did was with Brian Halligan, the CEO of HubSpot who you know is actually leading a company of people who are working remotely in those challenges and at the time that I interviewed him they were holding their big annual conference and they've launched a brand new product and all these things are so it's it's fun to get that perspective from people who are who are having to kind of live in the trenches of all of this so so that's one the other follow-up item that i had was we talked last time about foldable devices so at the time we talked specifically about the samsung z fold 2 in the microsoft surface duo you had asked a couple questions about them and i hadn't seen them
1: but now at, you have. at
0: all but now <laughs> i have i actually I, I do i have both of them in front of me i have a samsung z fold 2 which is essentially a single well it's not technically a single screen device because it does have a screen on the outside but it's a the inside is one screen that actually folds in half my kids description of it was that's freaky dad because <laughs> It's glass that folds. And then the other one is the Microsoft Surface Duo, which is essentially two v- devices stapled together in the middle with a very, very, very nice hinge. It's a very well-made device, but I I don't, I haven't had enough time with, with the Microsoft Surface Duo f- for sure to really have an opinion. But I will say, I'm, I'm an iPhone user till I die, but the Samsung z fold two is actually a really nice device it's
1: it looks cool i mean you guys can see it i can so you just have to trust (laughs) me trust me yeah it (laughs) does i mean you can
0: watch there's a million videos of it on youtube there's a lot of pictures of it it's actually i mean the first one that came out was a pretty much a disaster for samsung they've clearly learned some things and they've clearly um improved on it and i don't i'll just be candid i don't love android and these devices live somewhere between a phone and a tablet. And Android's not great for tablets, the experience. And, and so the biggest problem with, with especially the Samsung device is you either get something like a web browser where you have more real estate to do what you would have normally done than you would on a phone. But when you open something like Twitter, it just blows up what's already there. So it's right. not necessarily a whole lot... I'm showing Jess. It's like you can still scroll through, through your feed, but your feed doesn't give you any more information. You, you know, what you imagine I mean? holding
1: just... that to your ear, too. Like, if you're trying, well, you wouldn't, you, this you one would fold you could, it. you'd fold it in
0: half, okay?
1: Right. But it'd still be weird. Like, I'd feel like I'd be talking on something pretty clunky. Um, and I'd be, I don't know, I feel like yes. things should be getting smaller rather than bigger with technology. But that's it, just depends on the product, though. I'm thinking about TVs. Yeah. yeah and which we may talk about later
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i wanted to give i actually am working on a piece at least at this point will be called foldable screens are the future of productivity sort of and i'm going to talk about my experience using these two and the bonuses and the negatives and how they might actually be useful for people and i will say though that if apple so As we're recording this, it's Wednesday, and yesterday Apple announced that next week, so before we record another episode, is having their, which we know not, we don't know, but we know that it's their iPhone 12 event. um, And they're not going to come out with a foldable device next week. There's zero chance of that happening. But if they did, it might be compelling after using these. Like I said, the biggest drawback so far, in my opinion, is Android. If these were running iOS, it would be very, very interesting. It would.
1: It would. Yeah. And I think eventually if foldable devices, if you're true that they're sort of the future, Apple um, will have no choice but to come out with their own version and it will have to be the best unless they come out with an alternative that's even better. That's something that we thought we wanted, but we didn't know we wanted. So that'll be interesting to watch that develop.
0: So uh, we'll get to our interview in just a minute. But before we do that, I have a question. So you sent me actually a while back. Some coffee.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We when we made it. Uh, I guess it's been about a week and a half now. Over the week, and we started. So there was actually four different things in there. It's from a company I think called Onyx. Maybe yeah, Onyx, the best, Onyx. the best
1: coffee in Northwest Arkansas.
0: <laughs> I don't know if the best coffee in Northwest Arkansas is exactly a ringing endorsement. Okay, all
1: of all of Arkansas, <laughs> maybe even the South. I don't know. I mean, I, it's pretty
0: I famous. I make the best coffee in this house, but that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Okay, because nobody at least at least in at least all
1: of Arkansas. I mean, I buy. I have a really nasty habit of buying merch merchandise from places I like. I've got t shirts from about twelve different breweries whenever we go on little trips, and I even have an Onyx Coffee sweatshirt because I like them so much.
0: All right, so we we made the coffee over. We started using it. Um, we had to finish up a bag of of beans that we were currently using, and so we made that. And I was really impressed. They did. They do make. They do roast very good coffee. Um, I will admit that I'm a little bit of a coffee snob. And so <laughs> we. My question for you is, how do you make your coffee? Do you just use a drip coffee maker? Do you have a Keurig? do you do something fancy what's your preferred coffee That's making a
1: good question because um there's two ways i make coffee one regular drip coffee but the quality of the bean is what matters the most to me and i do
0: actually this is fun. actually the quality of the water is what matters the most that was
1: actually way. going to be the next thing i said is it's like and we did not plan this so no. in arkansas there is a pla a city called hot springs that has uh spring water all over that you can just pump out water from and it's uh, like the best tasting water I've ever had and there's this uh, spring place um, the only one where we can get it cold and fresh is called Happy Hollow and so we save all of our soda bottles anything two liter maybe a growl or whatever and it's only about an hour away from us and we'll go fill them all up so we actually like to use that um, really fresh spring water with our coffee um, it makes for very bougie <laughs> coffee and so we'll do that <laughs> for hot coffee in the summer we started making cold brew and uh we're always on the hunt for different types of um, specific cold brew beans which onyx makes its own cold brew and i got a cold brew maker through um, my company uses uh, that i work for uses a um, program called snappy for say it's your birthday your anniversary at work whatever and you get to choose which one you get it's really cool program because you get to pick out from like dozens of things that you might want and for one occasion I got a cold brew coffee maker, and so we have been roasting the cold brew um, beans, and we put them in there, and we put the spring water in there. It has to percolate for a couple of days, um, at least, and so then we pour it into a big container, um, and then we start another batch. So we always have cold brew on hand, and I like it with ice and coconut milk.
0: So how That's many? Long- how much coffee do you? How much coffee do you drink in a day?
1: Um. So I don't drink it every day. I used to. There was a point in my life I drank a pot of coffee per day. <laughs> but I, it just depends on how I'm feeling the day. Some mornings I really want a Diet Dr. Pepper. That was this morning because um, listeners don't know. And Jason has picked up a ton of slack for me um, because I've had a ill pet. And so this morning, we didn't, he came home yesterday. And this morning I just, I didn't have the gumption or the effort in me to go and like whip up a nice cup of coffee. I was just like, throw me a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I just need a little caffeine, but some days I really do crave it, and it definitely gives me that extra pep uh anyway, but how do you make your coffee? I know you you like hot coffee,
0: yo, yes, and um, just uh quick aside on the snappy i actually the my favorite coffee mug that I use was actually a snappy gift that I got it's it's just one of these contigo travel mugs, and the reason I really like it is it legitimately will keep my coffee hot for like four or five hours i'm not kidding i can load this up and then go to like two soccer games back to back and what and it i don't have i won't if i haven't finished drinking it by then which is a separate conversation but it'll still be hot which is pretty impressive that's a big deal to me because i do
1: not like lukewarm coffee some people will drink that crap Uh, but i like it's got to be hot like almost too hot my sister-in-law got this thing for christmas where she actually can control the temperature of her coffee mug through an app on her phone it's pretty, pretty yeah.
0: wild. Yeah. We'll link to, um. I cannot off the top of my head think where they are, but we will link to them. They, so Apple sells them in their, in their stores that so you can actually buy one. It's got a base plate. You set your coffee mug yeah. on it and it'll actually keep it set to a certain, certain time. So that's pretty awesome. So I, we, in our house, we have a Keurig so, and we use the Keurig when we're in a hurry or we need to do something or um, I, today my wife is working, so I will often just fill up with the Keurig. But that's because our preferred method of making coffee in this house is a French press, which t- is a more involved process. You have to heat up the water. You have to grind the beans. You have to brew it. It takes, you know, 12 to 15 minutes to all in, right, to heat up Yeah, I I, I to used to that use kind of that
1: stuff. in college when I had, like, time and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, time. So, I mean, I get up early. I have lots of time. But I, the only downside to a French press that I've um, discovered is that the beaker – or the pot the glass part of it is very fragile and i've oh, yeah, broken just, several broke of them. Recently, yeah. Yes, and we had to order it and it's a tragedy cuz even from amazon it takes a couple of days to get here and anyway, but we're we're definitely french press drinker, you know, coffee making drinkers here. Um i've i've used Chemex before. I've used pour, pour over and while pour over probably makes you a slightly better cup of coffee. I don't have the patience for that anymore. Can you make you those
1: pretty designs in your latte
0: in a lot we don't make espressos here although we do need in our when we remodel our kitchen someday we we do need a coffee bar and we've decided that at that point we'll probably get an espresso maker because I do like I like an americano that all that but anyway, so for us it's either like the really good stuff and it's a um you know French press or we I I like to, I keep it
1: simple with a drip coffee, but sometimes like my daughter will whip out the blender and she'll like start making frappuccinos and things like that. I don't know why like 10 year old little girls are obsessed with Starbucks now. This is not the childhood that I had, but they want to go there and get their frappuccinos, vanilla bean, whatever. It doesn't even necessarily have caffeine, but it's so trendy for kids to quote unquote like coffee.
0: Yeah, our 10 year old asks. Almost every day if she can have Starbucks.
1: Almost like what would happen if we put all of our kids in a room? There'd be six of them. And would they just like self-regulate each other? (laughs) Or would it be total chaos?
0: (laughs) I mean, it's total chaos with four. So I don't know what it would be like if you added a couple more. Let's not go there. But anyway. (laughs) So I think think that obviously coffee is a big part of a lot of working people's life. And I think it will lend itself to some of the conversation that – we wanted to talk about because we had been, we started discussing the last time you and I met burnout and creating boundaries. And that was really the conversation that I had with Andy Puttycomb from Headspace about how to avoid that. And some of the, so Headspace is an app, a meditation app, and they have guided, um, programs within the app that you can do like meditation for like 10 or 15 minutes or even just mindfulness. And so they, they had done research that shows that first of all, I don't think that we need research to tell us that people are just burnout mm-hmm. working from home is hard. Right. And so many people are working from home. And unlike you and I, who, who, this is the way that we've worked for a while. A lot of people were thrown into it without much of a system, without much of a process and so I think that contributes to burnout even more quickly. And and I think the challenge then is how how do we create boundaries? How do we, because I think boundaries can sort of head off burnout at, before it starts. And then the flip side of that is, okay, now I'm burned out. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are some of the things for you? Like when you think about creating boundaries, when you think about trying to head off burnout, yeah, how do you, you approach that?
1: You touched on two things there. Um, one was you know preventing and burnout and creating boundaries. And um, once you've already gotten to burnout and you know that's happening, how do you how do you fix it? How do you recover and bounce back from that? And I've been in both places. Um, so particularly creating boundaries is very different right now right because now you may be working at home with your children um like my children are at school but yours are at home but or your significant other um so right now like for me to record this podcast I need a room by myself um and we are so I have to have him go somewhere else because he works right behind me so right now he's Watching. literally yeah. he
0: sits at a table right yeah behind
1: he, you. He, yeah he right behind me I thought about getting a green screen just to like have a partition there because he'll start talking to me and he doesn't know what I'm doing you know he was <laughs> he, um he doesn't know what I'm working on but like I'm trying to write a paragraph finish a thought and he'll just oh did you see this um event or did you see this article and I'm just like Shh. <laughs> be quiet so it's like and we also had to have, we created Boundary. He really wanted to listen to, like, Comedy Central and Jim Gaffigan in particular, which is funny. But uh, I can't listen to that stuff and write at the same time. Uh, so, but then it was like, so it was, we're like, okay, we established he'll wear headphones if he's going to listen to mu- music or program. He's working with numbers all day. So that's fine. He can listen to stuff. But then I would just hear this, like, random snickering and giggling as he was laughing about his show and I was like I can't handle this I'm going to a different room Uh, so like I was like okay how about during this period of time while I'm working on some admin stuff you can play whatever you want and I'll listen too but I also need you I also I need to work in silence sometimes I guess I'm a little high maintenance there (laughs) like I just need silence and that's the hardest thing especially my kids are home Fridays now and they'll come in all the time. So I just know Friday's not going to be as, quite as productive as a day. And I try to make up for it the rest of the days of the week. Another boundary is uh, trying to have a closed door. And you guys, as you, we've talked about in a previous episode, uh, I don't have one. Uh, so I like to you know, either put on my headphones to create a boundary so they'll know if my headphones are on that I am not available at that time. Um, Right now, I do have a closed door because I'm holed up in my bedroom most of the time with a cat that has to be supervised 24-7 after a major surgery. So I was telling Jason how happy I am just to be at my desk right now and have two screens. It feels pretty amazing. Um, And on the other hand, like, we're talking about if you've gotten burned out and you know it, I think the most important thing is to recognize those warning signs. You you you're procrastinating. You're not you're saving the things that are most important for last, and you're just grabbing that low hanging fruit on your task list. Um, you're not engaging with your coworkers. Like um, for my company, we use Slack, and if I notice if I'm feeling burned out, I just won't be engaging as much because I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to get done what I can get done. And I'll also notice if I'm not producing my best work. Say my editor comes back and there's like a bunch of things that need to be fixed, and that's not normal. So what I, if I see those things happening, I know I'm on my way to burnout. And, I'm, and I think it's important, if you're lucky enough, to work at an organization that makes it a comfortable place to talk about burnout, which I do, uh, to be able to talk to your manager and say, or HR, whoever, I'm experiencing this, I'm not feeling motivated, what can we do to help? But also creating some things for yourself while you work at home that aren't just work. Go, I'll go just, there's been a day before, I just, everyone was driving me nuts. I just walked out the front door and I went for a walk for 20 minutes. And I came back and I felt better. Um, and then, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but like creating an intentional schedule for yourself. Walking off time on your calendar for, calendar for certain things you want to do. I do things like meditation. I, I've used Headspace before. I really like it. And I also use um, the Apple Watch feature with the breed. Um, complication that I have right on um, on my face there so I can like that it's amazing what that one minute of deep breathing will do or um, just if you're if I start feeling stuck on a certain task just take a break you know it's going to be fine (laughs) it's still going to be there when you get back Uh, I know that was a long answer but I'm really curious to hear yours are probably different (laughs) than mine just because I've noticed we are different so tell me what kinds of things that you do to help prevent burnout or maybe like what some of your be curious to know what some of your triggers are as far as boundaries go.
0: So I think you brought up two things that are really good points. The first one you talked about was sort of boundaries. And to me, boundaries are really giving yourself permission to say no to things. Right. And sometimes that's saying no to tasks or responsibilities that you just don't have the bandwidth for sometimes and this is where it gets harder it's saying no to you know a kid who knocked at the door because they just would rather wrestle i mean i have two boys who are under the age of eight so that is a real thing in this household and most of the time i'd much rather just go do that but i have to be willing and able to say no and that's why a door is helpful (laughs) right If, if the door is closed that's an obvious boundary for everyone that's so that's the first thing I think that's really important. The, the other thing is you talk about being intentional on in how you schedule time. And I just want to quickly tie it back to that interview with Andy in Headspace because the reason that we did that interview was Headspace had just sort of launched a partnership with Microsoft. So Microsoft Teams, which is basically like Slack, right, has built into it now this feature called the virtual commute now you don't have to use microsoft teams to to do this okay but the reason the reason we're having the conversation is part of the virtual commute they have headspace meditations that you can go through and that kind of thing but the idea i i thought the idea was so incredible i actually wrote a piece about it i'll link to it in the show notes because at one point if we all went to the office you might have a half an hour commute to the office in the morning where you could sort of start collecting your thoughts and thinking about your day. And here's what I need to talk to so-and-so about. And then the same thing was true on the way home. You could decompress. You had a yeah this buffer between work and everything that's not work, which we call life. And that's not true because – right? The whole, po- the whole point of this podcast is that my morning commute is 29 steps. 29 steps is not enough time the process, <laughs> to decompress. Yeah. And the reality is I don't get 29 steps before my day's over. As soon as I open that door, there's mm-hmm. life that yeah. happens. And so the idea would be, okay, I'm going to stop working at 4.30 today, but I'm not going home until five. And I'm going to take that half an hour And I'm going to make a list of things I want to deal with tomorrow so I don't have to think about them all night. I'm going to just be quiet for 10 minutes. Maybe I'll listen to music. Maybe I'll just be, you know, maybe I'll do a meditation. Maybe I'll do whatever. But giving yourself that buffer and actually building it into your schedule, it sounds sort of strange at first. But when you realize how important that is, that is a real time that people lost. And it was a a real part of their routine. And human beings are creatures of habits. So when you lose a part of your routine, it, it throws you off in ways you don't always see or anticipate at first. But I, I like that being intentional. I do the same thing. I try to do the same types of things at roughly the same times during the day, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, so, I,
1: Yeah, no, I do that too, for sure.
0: Yeah, and so I'll think about the night before. What I want to do, what I want to write, because I get up and write at five o'clock in the morning, and then I write at five o'clock in the morning, and then I get the kids up, and then when the kids start school, I do certain things, and then I'll edit a podcast. And that, well, anyway, but building in that buffer, I think, is a really important thing because it it helps you to separate what's work and what's not work. Does that make sense? I yeah, feel like, I mean, and know, I feel like that's what we're missing.
1: Yeah, now that I think back to it, it's been at least a couple of years since I worked in an office, and I the longest commute I ever had was about 30 minutes, but that was when I lived farther away, um, that was a long time ago. But my commute was, you know, eh, 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending. You know, when I worked downtown, I had to go park up in the elevator, go down to the lobby, go up to, you know, the floor. Um, but I would always be thinking about what I needed to, what I wanted to accomplish that day. And I remember when I worked in an office, and I still do this sometimes now, I would make a, this was earlier in my career, so maybe I was just getting, you know, establishing my own well, work, you know, how I work, but I would have a list of all the things I wanted to do for that day. And I still do. You can see it here. Uh, I do pen and paper, you know, th- that I keep right next to my desk because even with all of the productivity, productivity tools that we have, there's something still to me. There's a, a little bit of Gen X in me. <laughs> That wants to have some paper right here, so I can. I can. This is my list to talk with my editor about tomorrow of things that I want to do, but I always will have that there. And when I'm having a conversation with something, someone, you for example, I'll write things down like, I need to try Ulysses, this sounds like an awesome writing program, or uh, download Brave, which we could talk. I actually have that in notes to talk about a little bit later if we get time. Um, but. I'm driving home was big for me because I would listen to a podcast or I would just kind of turn everything off and decompress. And that would be my quiet time.
0: And I like that you you mentioned like productivity tools. And, and I think that's the other piece that a lot of people are missing that's causing burnout is that they don't have – They're trying to constantly recreate the wheel. They're trying to figure out like what it is that they should be doing and how to be doing it and what's the most effective way. And if you're constantly trying to figure out what the most effective way to do something is, you're not actually doing the thing. And so that's a great lead in. I'm really excited about our special guest today. His name is Sean Blanc. He is the guy behind the suite setup. If you're not familiar with the suite setup, I'll let him explain it here in just a minute. Um, But let's welcome our guest. All right, we'll keep moving. So Sean, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm
2: doing really well, Jason. Thank you so much for having me here. This is
0: awesome. Absolutely. So for anyone who's listening who might not be familiar, explain to me kind of the
2: short version of what exactly is the suite setup. Basically, we believe that computers are for creating. So we like to help people find the best apps and workflows for being more creative and more productive with their Apple gear so
0: yeah and i'll tell you that (laughs) three of the apps that i use every day i can say with certainty that the first time i ever heard about them was from the suite setup we'll talk about them in a minute so for people who are listening you guys you said you help people find them but really that kind of encompasses a range of things right
2: yeah. And it's interesting. So I'll give like a little bit more backstory. Obviously, that's like the, the elevator executive pitch, right? right. But the, the longer story is uh, I used to be a marketing and creative director out here in Kansas City. And my wife and I uh, got pregnant and I realized I don't want to be doing this job every day. I'd rather have some more flexibility. So I quit that and I started blogging for a living. And this was 2011. And I had a kind of like my own little tech blog on the side. And I was doing these interviews with folks like, hey, what's your sweet Mac setup? And this was, you know, before uh, the iPad and the iPhone kind of were as explosive as they are now. They were, they were a little bit newer back then. And um, and these interviews were like really popular, one of the most popular things I was posting. I'm like, oh, there should just be a whole website dated, dedicated to the apps that people use. And then I thought, well, it'd be cool if also we recommended, you know, if you're looking for an app, not only here's what people are using, but here's what we think is, is kind of the best and kind of having some of those opinionated stances on uh, certain apps. So we started doing that and that was 2013 when the suite setup started. And that was kind of the, the focus was people's setups that they use and then also our own recommendations for different apps. And so we were doing like weather and calculators and calendars um, like, uh, time trackers and habit trackers. And then we get into writing apps and productivity apps and, uh, like just started seeing a lot of traction around that space with like the productivity and the creativity space. So we kind of started focusing in on that. And that's what I care about personally, like as someone who writes for a living and, uh, I have a photography hobby. I, I really care about the creative aspect of things and just using my iphone or my ipad or my mac or whatever it is to kind of empower me as a like not an artist but as someone who appreciates art and creating things and uh, i like to do things with my computers like i'm a huge nerd as well so uh, kind of going that direction so as we've kind of focused in on that sort of category you could say we've also started creating some courses and some training that helps people uh, with figuring out how to get up to speed with these apps. I know for me, um, I used to have, I'll, I'll use Ulysses as an example, it's a writing app. And I've actually literally got it right here on my iPad with a couple you know, little notes for, for the call today. And uh, I used to write uh, quite a bit in like ByWord or sometimes IA Writer, uh, SimpleNote, NVALT, like I had this just gamut of all the different apps. And a friend of mine showed me a little bit of some of the ways that he uses Ulysses and kind of how you know Ulysses does this, this, and this. And it was just like this light bulb moment for me where I realized, oh my gosh, like all my frustrations with all these apps that I've been using with my writing and my ideas and kind of everything was scattered all over the place. It really just clicked for me that Ulysses could easily hold all of it. And also be a fantastic app for doing the writing as well. And I'm like, that was a just like a watershed moment for me that has just given me back hours and hours and hours of my life over the years and removed so much frustration and friction, like realizing how a tool works and how it could work for me. Like that one, just, just that light bulb moment changed so much. And I was like, I would love to be able to do that for our readers and help them like aha, like get that aha moment for some of these apps and not just be like, oh, here's the next new shiny thing that you should download and try over the weekend and then go back to your life again next week and download another new shiny thing. And like, instead of having that, helping people to really understand the way that a tool can work and how it can fit their workflows and how it can save them time and help them to actually do the work that they want to, instead of just always fiddling around and switching and switching and and trying different stuff. So like our workflows and our courses kind of have that as the motivation behind them. Um, and that's the, that's the bigger picture behind sweet setup.
0: No, that was good. I, <laughs> I, I appreciated that. So I, I started by saying that there were three apps that I basically discovered at mm-hmm. least as far as I remember and one of them was Ulysses. I literally, well, I write every single one of my columns at ink.com in Ulysses. Like that's what I use entirely for, Uh, writing on a day-to-day basis because there are certainly other tools that you can use that do more but that for me is actually part of the problem Mm -hmm. I actually like that Ulysses is a writing tool it's it's not google docs that's a collaboration tool or whatever And, and I remember, I, I know you guys have a course on Ulysses, mm-hmm. full disclosure, I did not buy the course, sorry. But I did get, did get the recommendation mm-hmm. from you, and I had done the same thing. I had used Bear, I had used um, the Notes app, just that comes on your Mac, I'd used a whole lot of different things. And I kind of suffered from that problem that you described of people who were just sort of fiddling around and and trying all these different things. And in some ways, it's kind of like on the suite setup, you do that for them, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you get to professionally fiddle around with things <laughs> so that the rest of us can learn from your from, from what you've learned and then just get work done. And I think right now, especially as a lot of people have had to transition from having the structure and the processes of working in an office to, you know, working at home primarily, those of us who, I mean, I've worked at home for quite a while, obviously sounds like that's probably also true for you. Most people, that's a new thing. And so they spend a lot of time fiddling around. Like, how do I do this? What can I use? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I really like about it. And I guess a question I have for you is if if a, someone who's listening to this finds himself in that situation, take Ulysses out of it, that was a good example. But more broadly, aside from just reading all of your guys's great blog posts, which I mean that sincerely, they really are super helpful, how, how do you recommend somebody approach it so they can kind of make that transition from fiddling
2: around, trying to figure things out, building a process to actually getting work done? I'll share a little bit of my own process um, as the the quote-unquote professional fiddler. Uh, I encounter this conundrum quite a bit myself. And so usually once I realize that I, I'm in search of a tool or need of a tool, uh, then I'll go on on the hunt for it. I try not to be swayed by other people finding a new tool that they like. And then me going, Oh my gosh, I need that in my life. Uh, but rather going, okay, there's an actual, uh, hiccup in my workflow, or there's something that's holding me back and I need to, to get this solved. Or sometimes you'll see someone explain how they use something. And then it's that aha moment of going, Oh, I didn't realize what I needed, but now that I see this other you know, approach or this other attempt or this other app that you're using that makes this better. That is a problem that I have. I didn't realize there was a solution to it. So uh, what I like to do is just give myself a few days or a week or two to just go nuts and like play around and just download stuff from the app store, do research, do Google, go YouTube, and just what are people using? How are people solving this problem? What apps are they checking out? What's even out there? What's even possible? And just go really, really broad and then start to get a a picture of how everything works and then begin to narrow that down and to get more and more focused and say, okay, with all these things, what's the actual challenge that I have? What's the solution that I'm looking for? Um, And how, like, which app fits into which category for being the best version of that solution um, that's gonna help me? So that's kind of my approach is go really broad and then narrow it down. And then that's something we do on the suite setup as well. Obviously, like we look at the landscape, we find out what other people are using. Uh, We look at these apps, like what's really popular on the app store, what's not. Is there like any hidden gems? Because sometimes you might not have heard of something, but it's actually really fantastic and just hasn't been discovered yet. Um, And so, you know, looking around, finding what may or may be out there. And then uh, a lot of times we'll ask our community, like, hey, are you looking for this kind of app or do you use this kind of app? What are the challenges that you have? for these workflows. And, um, and then we just start to make opinions about it. And sometimes you just go, we're just going to pick this one, like eeny, meeny, miny, mo, so to speak. And, uh, you know, sometimes, or it'll come down to, all right, at the end of the day, which app seems to have the best sustainable business model for that app, or which app is the most delightful to use, or feels the most, uh, you know, cared for and, and uh, designed on, on your device, or feels native, or whatever that may be. Um, and having some of these other sort of uh, peripheral categories be help be decision makers for us as we say, OK, we think this this is the one that you should go for. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for something that's that might be advice for certain.
0: So and I think that's good. And obviously, depending on the type of app, the answer to this question is going to be different. But when you're thinking about it, what are what are some of the specific criteria? You mentioned a couple of them, but what are the, or actually a better question might be, how should someone create that criteria for themselves? Because they have to have a filter that says, right. And a lot of times people are entering into it without really knowing. They don't know what they don't know. If you're looking for a task manager, for example, a great example of it is, so I, the second app that I mentioned is Things. So I use Things every day. I have it on my iPad right here. And by the way, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but there was a post about using Scribble on the iPad in thing and I had no idea and I'm not kidding it blew my mind (laughs) there's a lot to that there's a lot to that by the way I that's it's literally the most intuitive implementation of the Apple Pencil in an app that I've encountered but I had no idea that you could do that but um, I didn't like things for a long time I I was a Wonderlist person and then I even tried Microsoft's to-do app because they sort of when they killed off Wonderlist and tried to make and I liked it a little bit. I've used a lot of different things and it I realized that the problem was I was I wasn't evaluating things based on things I needed it no pun intended, the things I actually needed it to do, right? I was just expecting it to do all these things. So how does somebody filter those things down?
2: I think in some ways it takes a little bit of a self-awareness for your own workflows and that can be hard. It can be really hard to know like what your needs are and whatnot. Um, And I feel like I'm still good and bad at it. We're going through this um, internally as a team right now. We're in the midst of transitioning our project management software. Uh, We've been using Basecamp for years and years and just finally realized that it is not serving us well. There's no easy way to manage an editorial calendar inside of Basecamp. And for us as a team, like that's the single most important task that we have as a company is that editorial calendar and getting stuff uh, that's good and get it written and out the door on time uh, consistently day after day, after day, after day. And if your tools not like, and it wasn't until literally about three months ago, you know, the suite setup is almost seven years old now and three months ago. I finally realized, oh, this tool that we've been using for managing our editorial calendar actually sucks at managing an editorial calendar. Um, and so as soon as you realize that, you're like, okay, so I just started like researching like editorial calendar apps. and now like my YouTube targeted videos are absurd. And uh, you know like I, so now I'm getting all the, all the ads, just so many ads right. for, for everything. Well, I mean,
0: Monday, Monday.com yep. was already advertising on every YouTube video anyway, and oh now it's probably even worse.
2: <laughs> so much Monday.com. <laughs> uh, we looked at Monday.com. It's not going to, it doesn't right. work for us. Um, and so where we're, so basically what we did was, you know, kind of start broad. I thought it'd be a bat and say, okay, what's, what would be the best way to manage an editorial calendar? And it was like, we would really like to be able to have a, a Trello style board or a Kanban board that helps us see the status of every idea, every article that has been selected to be written, and then the progress of that article from in process, being edited and reviewed to now being published. And so that's kind of like, this is really helpful for us, but like, we also need to be able to see those articles on the calendar for when are they gonna be published? Because we you know, try to have some sort of an ebb and flow that there's a little bit of cohesiveness to what we're writing about and some themes um, and, and things like that. And so like, man, it'd be great to be able to have it view as a board and also view it as a calendar and like notion. That's exactly how you can build notion. So we ended up kind of doing some of the research, looking around, realizing that notion can do that. So we like signed up threw everybody into notion and now we've been using it for the last eight weeks. And we actually literally just this morning had a team meeting to say like, are we committing to notion or are we, uh, Does everyone want to pull their hair out every time they use it on their iPad still? Uh, Which the answer to both of those questions was yes, actually. So even though the iPad app is 80% awesome and 20% absolute maddening, uh, we're still committing to it because it's got a lot of stuff that just none of the other apps have that work for us. So once we realized there was a challenge, so coming back to your question, I realize I'm I'm taking the long way. Um, Having a little bit of wherewithal of your own workflows and kind of how you work best and your uh, just preferences, different people have different preferences. And this is one of the things that makes the Suite Setup interesting is uh, like kind of having an opinion about certain apps. And a lot of times if you Google for, you know, best email app or best to do app, and there's other apps or other websites that are writing about those similar things, and they'll say, here are the 10 best email apps for 2020. And it's just, here's 10 of them. And they kind of say, here's what they do. And then they kind of leave you on your own to pick one. And there is some value to that because obviously not everyone is going to fit into a specific app for the same reasons. And for something as, uh, as important as an email app, it can be hard to make that decision for every single one of your readers and just say, here's the one that you should all use. And so, but at the same time, there's the value in going, we're going to have an opinion and we're just going to put it out there and recognize that it might not be for everybody, but for the people that this is for, awesome. You know, we're here to help you. And so, um, so understanding your own workflows and then finding something that can fit into those. And there is the experimentation period, which sometimes is fun and sometimes is really frustrating. So knowing your own workflows and knowing your needs and then also knowing... Um, your preferences. So are you someone who likes to have everything consolidated, like feature-rich, like one app to rule them all? Do you have different workflows across different apps? Are you iPhone primarily or iPad or Mac? Uh, do you have to use PC? So even understanding like the different tools, are you willing to pay for software? Do you want it to be free all the time? Uh, do you want to pay for it once and have it forever? Or do you want to do the subscription? Like all these different uh you know, little nuanced things that can go into making the decision for figuring out uh, what works for you. So
0: so there are a lot of things that that was a great answer. There was a couple of things I want to pull out. My first real quickly question is, how about you? Are you someone who would prefer one app that does everything? Or do you prefer more like a niche app that's really good at something and then you string them together?
2: Both. <laughs> um. That was not helpful. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Um, I feel that the, I guess I feel like the older that I get with my work and the longer that I have been doing my work, um, you know, I've been running my own business now for uh, 10 years almost, and I mostly just write, like that's a huge chunk. And so for me, it's, it's anything that gets in the way of me being able to take my ideas and get them across the finish line. And for myself, but also for the team and for leading my team and making sure that we collectively are getting our ideas across the finish line. Uh, Anything that gets in the way of that is a distraction. And so while I really, really like Ulysses as a writing app, and right now it has everything, I think I have uh, like two or three million words right now in, in Ulysses. Uh, In terms of active stuff, I have templates, I have book notes, I have archived blog posts and articles I've written over the years, and newsletters. So it's just got kind of everything in there. But increasingly, my um, my research phase and stuff now includes more like videos and other links and additional stuff that Ulysses is pretty much like ninety percent text. It just it's awesome with text. But um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tiago Forte, and he's got a concept called building a second brain. Um, And this is something that Notion, or sorry, not Notion, um, Rome is really making popular uh, just currently of this idea of the, the interconnected thought. And it's like as you take notes, it automatically connects your book notes over here with this article that you wrote three years ago with this other, like, Tweet that you saved and like all this stuff begins to just connect naturally inside of Rome, and uh, I'm starting to realize, man, that I think there's a lot of value there in. Um, so I like the idea of a centralized spot for everything, and I feel like Notion could do that really well, uh, and things like that. But Notion is a terrible app for doing writing, especially if you're iPad first, like I am. Whereas Ulysses is like best of breed. What it does, it does better than anybody else. But there are features that it's missing. And so trying to figure out what's that trade-off of having a few apps that interconnect with one another or just having one app to rule them all. And um, I don't know. That's for me right now, actually, that's kind of in limbo trying to figure out what that's going to look like, what that's going to be. Um,
0: I, think, so. I think you actually brought up a good point. And it probably depends on at which point in your process the app is. In in what I think about is Evernote, right? I used to write in Evernote. And then Evernote added so many features and so much stuff to it. And it can do so many different things. And it's not really great at any of them anymore. It mm-hmm. does do a really good – I mean, I still use it for the web clipper, right? Because it's the easiest way f- for me to, like, save a web page for an article. And then I can search those things later. And if I pull one up, it will still show me other – articles related to that, but it's terrible for writing. I don't mean, I mean, I like Evernote and I like, I mean, they're good people. I don't mean to, I know they just introduced a new version of it, but for writing, it was so distracting because of all the other things that it does. And I needed my writing app to just let me write. On the other hand, and my content calendar is probably not nearly as complicated as, as as yours. And when you were talking about Basecamp, I thought, Basecamp is really good if you build one thing and you take three weeks to do it. It's really mm-hmm. bad if you build something every single day. <laughs> like Exa- it just makes yes. no sense. No,
2: that's a perfectly said. It, yep.
0: it just makes no sense. So I actually use Trello, which you talked about mm-hmm. Trello style. And, and again, it's because the process isn't very complicated. But I do like the fact that for for me anyway, I with the exception of Ulysses, if a PR person emails me something, I use Spark. I can send it directly to Trello as a card. My research assistant can link a Google doc to it and I can keep everything in one place. And then when Mm -hmm. I have to, when I write, I have to go somewhere else. So it probably does depend a little bit on where does this app fit in the process in terms of how much does it need to be able to do and how much does it need to be able to connect? Because you, you had, I saw a Twitter thread, that you shared about a week ago about dual focus. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't tell you I was going to bring this up, but it, yeah, I really liked it. And I actually read you linked to an article from what, like five years ago or something that you had written about with the note and everything. And I think that, that, that's why I, that really encapsulated for me, why I like having an app like things to make my list of things to do or an app like Ulysses to actually write in because I really can only do one thing right? I sit down to write and I just, I just write. So talk, for people who are listening, like dual focus, what are you talking about? It's not a zoom meeting where you can see everyone next to each other. <laughs> Explain what that is and, and how, just talk a little bit about
2: that Twitter thread. Yeah. So the idea behind dual focus is uh, we'll take writing for example. Um, I find that a lot of people have they'll, the, that aspire to be writers or want to, to begin writing more They'll say, okay, I'm going to, you know, tomorrow I'm going to sit down in the morning and with my coffee and I'm going to write. And so they do, they get up, they make their coffee, they sit down and it's like, okay, here we go. Time to write. What am I going to write about? Let me think. And in that moment, now you have dual focus. You were intending to sit down and focus on writing something, but before you can do that, you first have to focus on what to write about and make the decision. And so the challenge is, uh, is a couple different things. And the reason I like to try to... So the, the point is you should never have dual focus. Try to eliminate that whenever possible. So the article you talked about, The Note, is basically kind of one of the workflows that I use for deciding what I'm going to write about the day before. So like today at the end of my day, I will plan out my day for tomorrow. And so I will focus on my tasks for tomorrow ahead of time and make all the decisions. And then tomorrow, all I have to do is focus on like executing those tasks and doing the work. And uh, so that way you make the decision ahead of time and then you sit down and I I already know what to write about. I made the decision. I know my topic. I know my idea. And I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to begin writing about it. Um, And so that's kind of the idea behind eliminating dual focus is planning ahead for it. Um, we talked about that with some other workflows and things like that as well, but that's kind of the gist of it. Is when you're doing, especially the creative work, you only have so much um, like willpower. You only have so much creative energy to give to it. That wasting it on making a decision is, you know, like you're wasting your energy and you're wasting your time. It's like that time for me in the morning is so precious. Like one minute in the morning to me is worth half an hour at any other time in the day in terms of like the value and the weight of that time. And so it's like every minute wasted in the morning before my kids wake up. And before like the day begins is like, like, I ah, you know, it's precious time for me. And so I don't want to waste it by making decisions about how to spend it when it is time to be spending that time. So,
0: yeah. And <laughs> so you talk about kids. We have four kids who are all virtually schooling about 15 feet over there. And that's so if mama. you don't think that that morning time, is, I mean, I publish 40 columns a month. So the only way to do that is to get up very early. And I do, I get up at five o'clock every day and that's when I write because they all get up at seven 30 and those are the mm-hmm. most productive two hours of time. But you're yeah. absolutely right. I have to have decided the night before what I'm going to get up and I'm going to do. And by the way, and I've written about this because I, I think you sleep better. When you've decided Mm -hmm. at night what you're going to do in the morning, that's how I can get up at five in the morning because I can sleep really well because my brain isn't – you have a dual focus when you're trying to fall asleep if you think about it, right? You're trying to – all the things I have to do tomorrow, just write them down, make a plan, sleep well, get up early, or get up whenever. I guess it doesn't really matter. And and you can focus on doing the things because there's a big difference between planning and doing. And those two things use different parts of your brain and different skills and different abilities, and so – I really liked that, both the Twitter thread and the article, because I think a lot of people right now are dealing with that, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing the virtual school and they're trying to work and, and they may not have a system set up to work remotely because they haven't been doing it for more than six months. And so there's, there's kind of that, that challenge and that struggle. What are, when you think about, we talked about Ulysses, we talked about things, what are some of the other tools and pieces of software that people should be thinking about to help them to use their time more productively both on the planning side of it right Mm -hmm. and on the actual executing doing side
2: yeah that's great and i think it comes down to i'm actually this morning um i was writing about this new way that i've been experimenting using ulysses as a like a weekly and daily planner it's not really great for it, uh, but that's okay. You know, that's part of my job is fiddle around and, and kind of push software to the Professional and, fiddler. And, and, exactly. But the the principle remains the same regardless of what tool you're using, uh, which is this, this approach to planning. And um, something that I am a huge advocate of is like literally we just talked about, so planning ahead and then following through. And it can be as simple as just what's the topic that I'm going to write about tomorrow. I'm going to decide that now. And then tomorrow, you know, I have a commitment to show up, you know, commitment to myself and my keyboard to to, to show up and be there. And then so following through and then actually doing the work that I said I would. And this hits on uh, a thing that I call personal integrity. And the idea behind personal integrity is uh, we are very good at making commitments to other people and then keeping our commitments to others. We are very poor at making commitments and to ourselves and keeping them with ourselves. And we're very good at justifying in the moment, like, Hey, uh, I don't want to go to the gym today because I'm tired or I get, or I don't want to go, you know, do my, my home workout because I'm tired. Or, um, I don't feel like getting up and writing because, you know, I'm I'm tired, (laughs) whatever it is. Right. Uh, we're, we're good at justifying, you know, but you know, I accept your calendar invitation to show up for this zoom call. And like, I've got an alert on my phone. I've got a little timer on my watch. That's going to make sure that I, you know, back in my office in time to get everything set up. Uh, you know, I reviewed my week earlier to make, you know, and like I saw the meeting there and it's like, I had multiple things to make sure that I'm here and show up for my commitment to you. But if this was a different commitment than just something that I was going to do for doing research on a book or reading something or taking notes or whatever, like my chances of showing up are not as good as they are. Um, and so that's a huge one. And when it comes to the planning, Is there are a lot of tools that can help you with this, but it's the fundamental muscle that you have of being able to make that commitment ahead of time of what it is you're going to focus on. And then showing up and actually doing the work. Uh, so I do that on a big scale. So for my whole week, I plan out the week and I say these are the you know my desired outcomes for the week, and here's how I believe I'm going to get there, and here's kind of what I'm going to work on each day. And then I'll so I got the big picture for the week, and then like the micro picture for the day of these are my most important tasks, and this is when they're going to happen on my calendar and stuff like that. And, uh, so I, I mapped that out. I've, I've got, a. we actually created a digital planner that you can use with good notes on your iPad and just fill it out. Um, and it kind of follows that same system. And I've been fiddling with how does it work in Ulysses or how could I build this in notion and just different approaches, but the, the fundamental, um, structure of it is the same of just, Knowing what matters and what you're going to do and then choosing a time to to do it and actually follow through. And I know for so many folks that are working remotely, perhaps for the first time or now their whole team is working remotely and their managers are scrambling and, and it can be difficult. A lot of us have more autonomy with our job and with our time than we've had maybe in our entire career. And so the necessity for that personal integrity kind of matters more than ever before. And also the ability to, to determine what is most important. And we've got kids at home, the distance schooling and the virtual schooling and uh, multiple, maybe even both spouses or both parents at home and partners and just all of this and just kind of the chaos that it brings maybe we don't have an uninterrupted eight hours to give to our work like we normally would, where we would leave the house, go to work, have our nine to five, and be able to come home and disconnect. And so the ability to not only do the work, but also make judgment calls and make our own decisions about what is the work that needs to be done. And I've got a limited amount of time before I have to now make lunch for everybody or put my headphones on because it's about to be PE and everyone's running around or whatever's going to happen. And how do I do that? I have less time to to, to get it done and I have to make my own decisions. And so those are some challenges that tools don't necessarily, like there's not a specific tool that will solve that. Uh, But finding something that works for you that you can say, I can, here's a system or here's a process that, that will help me identify what's most important and follow through with that on a consistent basis over and over and over. And that's the system that moves us forward.
0: And I think, you know, you talked originally about, I sent you a calendar invite for this Mm -hmm. conversation, but the same, why wouldn't you just set yourself a calendar invitation for yourself? Even if it's deep work writing time, it's okay. Like you should chunk your time. That's not a very elegant way of saying it, but don't be afraid to actually, put those things on your calendar. This is this time for this. And then not only can you see them, but you're right. It does provide you with an additional level of accountability, but quite frankly, it also helps you not have to worry about keeping all of those things in your head of when should I do this? And what is it that I'm doing? And then if something comes up and I say, Hey, can you have a conversation at two o'clock on this day? You're like, could we do three? Because I'm committed to this thing at two and treat those commitments with yourself the same that you would with others. So uh, as we, kind of wrap up, I have another question because you mentioned that you are primarily an iPad. I think I understood you to say you Mm -hmm. primarily use an iPad for writing and my normal co-host Jess and I have a conversation about this a lot. She, she's a MacBook air user. I love, you know, my MacBook pro, but I do write primarily on my iPad pro mostly for the same kind of reasons we've talked about because it's harder to do some things. It's better at focusing, right? I'm not mm-hmm. as distracted, but I'm just curious. One, just talk about why that works the best for you. And along with that,
2: are you going to get one of the new iPad airs? <laughs> uh, I won't be getting a new iPad air cause I've got, um, an iPad pro and still basically same internals, uh, you know, same guts. And so I actually just recently got, um, I now have an 11 and a 12 inch iPad pro. I got, uh, long story short, but, uh, ended up getting one from Amazon, like one of their renewed ones from Amazon for, I think it was like 40 or 50% off like the list price. And it came in like pristine condition, but it was in like a bubble wrap envelope. (laughs) So like the packaging was like, okay, but then it's like perfect. So I was like, Hey, sounds good to me. But, um, anyways, so I'm not getting one of the new iPad airs, but I think anyone who's you know, been waiting around for an iPad or, you know, considering getting one, it's like bargain of the century. Um, Just fantastic, fantastic machines. So as far as why I like to use the iPad, I love the, uh, sort of like the single focus nature of iOS. And even on a MacBook Air or on a laptop, even when you've got your apps in full screen mode, for whatever reason, there's just, there's less friction to multitasking on a Mac which in some ways is a great thing. And that's why I still have a Mac. And sometimes you just need that, uh, you know, just to to spread out and just have 500 tabs open and 500 document windows. And you're flipping around between them all. Um, And that's great, but that's a different mode of work than single focused task, you know, focused deep work I'm writing or I'm, uh, you know, thinking about something or taking notes. And so I like that. And then I love the modular nature of the iPad as well, where I can, pop it off of the keyboard and sit down and use it to edit my photos. I do all my photo editing in Lightroom on the iPad. And uh, it's like just so great at that. You're like right there and it's, you know, here's this picture and it's just full screen. Um, so things like that where with the writing and just the simplicity of iOS um, in many ways to me is more appealing. And the fact that there is some friction there just helps me to like slow down a little bit helps my brain to slow down and just kind of settle in and focus on this uh, task at hand um so for me that's that's it the ipad is just a delightful tool to use and it helps me focus better so
0: so you said you had both 11 and 12.9 is there one you prefer over the other
2: yeah i (laughs)
0: He's a fiddler, so, remember? So he can go back and forth as often as he wants.
2: Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. Um, when the, the, this version of the iPad Pro, this, this form factor that, you know, doesn't have the home button anymore, when they announced it in 2018, the first version came out, like I was there, I pre-ordered mine right away, and I um, had the 10 and a half inch iPad Pro at the time because the 12.9 of the previous generation that had the home button and the bigger bezel, it was just too much. And so, um, I pre-ordered the 12.9, you know, got it the day it came out and it was just too big. I was like, I can't, it's too much. Nope. Gotta go back. So I, I traded that back and then went down to the 11 inch and that was, you know, two years ago. And, uh, so then I ended up getting the 12.9 about a month ago and I, maybe it's cause I'm traveling less or maybe I just got used to the 11 inch, uh, whatever, but, now I've got the 12.9 right here. I I just use it for everything now. So I, I got it and it didn't seem as big anymore. And now my 11-inch is collecting dust. Oh, see, I love
0: <laughs> my 11-inch a- and I have the 2018 11-inch and they sent me mm-hmm. the 12.9 to review of the 2020 version. Mm-hmm. And my sense was that the 12.9 is probably a better overall replacement for a laptop because it does, I mean, that extra screen real estate makes a difference but that the 11-inch is a better iPad. Yes. When I mean by that is a tablet, right? That's it's, a great. It's, it's easier to sit down and to use. I use it all the time for editing photos, just like you said, in Lightroom, because the the Lightroom CC version on your iPad is exactly the same with exactly the same tools as it is on your Mac, except for it's actually faster on, on my iPad. And yeah. I love using the Apple Pencil for using the brush and for retouching and all that kind of stuff. But I love, I could not, the other thing is that the 12.9 is too tall, in my opinion, meaning it's a 4.3 form factor instead of a 16.10 or whatever this is. Mm-hmm. So I'm always just curious what people choose to use, but it sounds like you use it as your primary device maybe more often than I do. Like I'm sitting in front of an iMac here, which mm-hmm. I do a lot of stuff on.
2: Yep. Yeah, I do. I use it mostly as my, You know, in the mornings when I'm writing, um, a lot in the afternoons. Book notes, like – just about everything is, you know, I'm I'm using the iPad, so gotcha. So all
0: right, well, Sean, I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with me. I this has been extremely informative. And I'm uh, I, where can people find you?
2: Be yeah, I'll link to obviously the site, but where where else can people find you? Uh, yeah, the dot Obviously, um, I've got my own personal blog, seanblanc.net. Um, Twitter, I'm yeah, I'm on Twitter. Is at Sean Blanc.
0: Yes, and one of the things I—that's where I found the uh, the thread on the dual focus. So go follow Sean, read that thread. I promise you, it will save you a little bit of stress and help you to be more productive. So thank you, Sean. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it as well. It was good. Okay, so what? Uh, there was a lot in that conversation that we just had with Sean, and I think. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you aren't familiar with the suite setup, I highly recommend that you check it out because for a lot of people, that is the missing component. And we he talked about a couple of really great tools. Um, you mentioned Ulysses beforehand. And, you know, I use it, as I mentioned, every single day. That's, that's what I write. In fact, the notes that I have for the podcast, when I put together the show notes, I do all of that. In Ulysses, in fact, anything I don't have to share with somebody else. If I'm writing something or thinking about something, it goes it goes into there. And you mentioned, and as we were talking about it, you had even said, "I got to try that out. I got to, I got to, got to check it out." But I am curious, what were some of the things that Sean talked about that really were interesting to you, that you think oh, I want to try that, and maybe people who are listening to this might feel the same way.
1: Well, um, definitely, like you already mentioned this, Ulysses, because it's still this like non-tangible thing in my brain that I don't understand how it works that much differently than a Google Doc, which is a collaboration tool. So I did have a question for you to follow up on that. So when you would write an article in Ulysses, then do you just copy and paste it into a Google Doc or whatever, whatever CMS you need or whatnot?
0: Yeah. So when I write columns for ink, I do all of the writing in Ulysses. Everything I, it, I do, the research in there, I, I take notes in there, I, I can do formatting in there, I, I write everything, and I only probably do like use like maybe 10% of the capabilities of Ulysses. I'm just it does a lot more than even I take advantage of. And then, so for ink.com, I just copy and paste it directly into the CMS. And then I have to make a couple of tweaks to the formatting, but again, my columns are not that long, so it doesn't take me very long to do that. But but I could compose things directly in the CMS, but I don't for two reasons. One, um, if something goes bad, <laughs> you've lost all of your work, so I never like to do that. But then two, um, this way I have my own copy of it and I can edit it over time and I can start things at different time without creating drafts of articles and that kind of stuff. It's kind of similar to the way that you do it. You just use Google docs as opposed to just putting things directly into WordPress. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't have a beef with, with Google docs. It's great for collaborating with other people. It's probably the best tool for collaborating on content with other people. It's just, that's not, that's not what I'm, what I do. That could I be
1: a whole it. different podcast about the new, um, Google Suite, whatever thing they're coming out with
0: um but i just I w- wrote i just wrote about it this morning so
1: okay i'll, have, I'll send you well you need to send me a link <laughs>
0: google work google workspace yep
1: uh, someone posted about it in slack and i was i've just been so busy and disoriented this week seriously feeling like i have a baby <laughs> but uh i haven't gotten to research it like i like to but your articles are very succ- on inked are very succinct and to the point so i appreciate them so much like i n- now like that's just on my list like because I'm such a fan of Google all of Google Suite in general that I really want to see what they're what they're doing next um because okay you mentioned one thing like if you lost something so is it not a cloud-based app or
0: well what I I guess what I was saying is if I was composing directly in the CMS oh okay and didn't let's save say you lose your internet and you didn't save it right whereas Ulysses is a library-based tool so it's As far as structure of how things are saved, it's kind of like maybe Evernote or the Notes app where you have a library. You don't create a new document and then save that document. It's automatically saved every time you put a word in the app. And then Ulysses uses iCloud to sync across all of your devices. So I can sync on my phone, on my laptop, and on my iPad. So most of the time I write on my iPad. It's the, it's what I prefer to actually write on, but then I'll use either my laptop or my iMac to actually load it into the, the back end of ink. There's various reasons for that. It's just easier for me, but it's great because as soon as I open up Ulysses on one of those devices, everything I wrote is just right there.
1: Well, so is it on Google Docs, but you know, it syncs across all your devices.
0: Yes. Except for then I have a billion google docs in a google drive right and then i have to go back through whereas this is all just saved in a library it doesn't google google docs isn't bad let me just tell you why for me for writing now your writing process not by your choice is a little bit different so this is not for everyone but with ulysses i'm not in a web browser i'm actually in an app and this is also one of the reasons i like doing it on my on my ipad there's no other distractions right? I don't see notifications in another browser tab. I don't have other browser tabs to be thinking about. I'm just in, I'm in the flow of just working. So it's kind of like Sean talked about that you can, you, you shouldn't try to do multiple things at once and multitasking often, this isn't how he said it, but often kills our ability to focus on the thing that we're actually supposed to be doing right now. Oh no, it totally does. I mean, if
1: you, you know, As a man versus woman thing, like you can see it all the time. Like they say that women are better at multitasking. It means it means we do it more. It doesn't mean it makes us more effective um, at what we're doing. Because once you change tasks, it takes you like what an average of sixty seconds plus to refocus on what you were doing before.
0: I have no idea because I never get back to whatever I was doing before. (laughs) Once once I change tasks, I'm I'm done. I just might as well just move on to the next. And that's I mean I'm being sincere. That's why I have to. You know, so I don't even I don't even research an article and then write it at the same time. I can't now granted that's it's different if you're writing a three thousand word piece. I get that. But you know, I'm most of the stuff I write I publish something every day, sometimes more than once a day, and they're usually five to seven hundred word articles. So I will do all of my research and then I will write my article. So that way I don't get distracted by Right, all these different things that are open, and I just write. Yeah, and... I
1: can, I could see that being uh, useful. I'm gonna do some. I don't want to get stuck on Ulysses forever because I want to actually use it and see, be able to provide, like, what my 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 key takeaways from it. Because I know there's a free trial. I'm big on f- free and freemium things. You've noticed. I texted you. Um, is it free? <laughs> because Google Docs is always going to be free for me unless I some, you know, I. Need more memory on my personal one, not my work one. Um, but then another, well, you thing... know, and that's
0: a good, that's a good point. Let me just say something about that. I think I'm a big fan of free. Also, I do think that if something saves me time and makes time something or makes it easier, <laughs> I'm worth. I'm willing to pay for it, even if even if it doesn't seem like a lot of time or doesn't make it a lot easier. It makes me more efficient. Then I'm absolutely – and Ulysses is basically 50 bucks a year or like $6 a month, I think. Right. Um, I they mean, do have a free trial.
1: Go yeah, I want, I'll try the free trial. But, I mean, listen, I'm really good at spending money. So if I find value in it, I will, I will definitely you know, put forth it. I actually see I paid for Grammarly Premium. And on Google Docs, it's a beta version, and I found that it just – wasn't giving me what I needed, so I cancelled it. Uh, but I mean, I paid one hundred and thirty nine dollars for one year for it, and then I decided, okay, this isn't you know filling the need i I need exactly, but just it was mostly because of the beta version on on Google Docs. It works pretty cool for some other things. and I love their blog. their blog is amazing. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm not I'm not afraid to spend some money if it is going to me um yeah not spend me if it's going to save me time and make me more efficient like I I don't mind spending money. That being said, there was another thing he talked about that I resonate with big time is spending time researching software, creating a productivity drain, and I struggle with this a lot. It's something I have to be really intentional about not doing because there are so many cool things out there to test out. I would I would be a product reviewer and software reviewer all day if someone would pay me to do that. Maybe I should, I don't know if I should consider a career change, but that would be so fun for me because that's what will get me down a rabbit hole. And then all of a sudden I have an article due and all I've been doing is playing with these different apps that make me more efficient or, you know, create a different, like Airtable, for example, is another one I want to check out. Um, but. I can just work in Google Docs and get my work done and I feel better. But then I'll spend like a large part of my evening or maybe my virtual commute (laughs) looking at different things and going, you know. I was looking at um, Sean's website actually and I was like, I spent like half an hour at least on there just playing around. I'm like, I could do that all day. He's got a ton of cool resources on there. So I think we, um, as far as productivity, burnout, et cetera, goes, we need to be really intentional about Okay, what we actually need to get done versus people like you and me who have a lot of fun looking at new things. How do we? How do we? We can allocate a certain amount of time to spend spending on that, and then have a hard stop and be like, I need to actually go do my work. You know, the things that pay my bills that aren't just fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think and Sean said that right. So he said that you sh- when he's looking at different resources, he was talking about Notion at the time. You know, get, okay. I'm going to spend a week. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to play with things. I'm going to fiddle around. I'm going to, I'm going to whatever. I'm giving myself a week to do that. That doesn't mean it's the only thing you're going to do during that week, but you're time boxing the amount of time that you're going to spend trying to figure out what's out there so that you don't do that forever. Mm -hmm. And you may not discover everything that's out there, but it's more important that you have a limit on the time. And then the second thing is, establish what is what is what are you going to use to measure whether this is a good tool and i i really resonated with that because obviously we we talked already about these foldable devices so i'm going to be writing a piece about whether or not foldable screen devices are a good thing for productivity whether they can actually help you whether there's benefits well I have to decide first what are those benefits so how am I going to evaluate this these devices because otherwise as I look at my desk there's just a pile of devices that are all waiting to be reviewed and I could play around with them and that's cool and it's fun and they each have interesting features but I have to be intentional about it because someone is going to be reading an article and wanting to make a decision based on Is this going to add value to my work? Is it going to add value to my life? And when you're doing that for yourself, you've got to start with that goal in in mind as well. Is this going to make it easier? Is it going to make it more efficient? Is it going to save me time? What are the things that you're going to use to measure those? Otherwise, you're right. All you're doing is just playing around. And that's ultimately probably a waste of time. And most of us, although this is what my children think, most of us don't get paid to just play around with things all day long. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? It's funny. My... They, they do think that I get paid for that because every day it seems like there's something. T- but, you know, there are a lot of people who make a good living unboxing new toys, new technology, and, and and that's great. But to me, that's not useful, and I'm not begrudging anyone that. My point is, for what I do, it's not worth – I mean, I might send you a text message, hey, I look at what I'm – Gonna start reviewing now. This is kind of cool, but I don't write about it. Then I spend time doing the things that I would normally do, because that's how I'm gonna evaluate it. If that makes sense,
1: right? No, it's almost like having a rubric for how do I decide if this is going to to actually be beneficial for me to, to look into. That's something I would probably never do because I, I'm not that type A. The older I get, the more type B I become, <laughs> because there's just so many things you can get done and. In a certain amount of time. Um, so talking, I had another thought about burnout, but now we're on this productivity drain thing. So I'm no, not that's sure okay. I because to I think
0: I, I, that's okay. I think that productivity, uh, let me say this first. The goal of productivity isn't to do more stuff. If you're just doing more stuff, then that's going to lead to burnout. The goal of productivity is to accomplish more, and sometimes that actually means doing less. Right. Because sometimes accomplishing more is taking care of yourself, right? Sometimes accomplishing more is I'm able to get this thing done because I have these tools, and I'm able to get it done in four hours instead of seven hours. You've been more productive, so you've created margin in your life. Margin, uh, I used to just, I didn't make this up, but I used to describe it to people as margin is the difference between what you're doing and what you're capable of and what you're capable of had better be more than what you're doing. Or you have zero margin in your life, which means you have no time or space or resources or energy to do anything else. Right. right? And you can imagine a cup you want your, if your cup is completely overflowing with tasks, that's not a good place to be. That's burnout. Right. Right. So sometimes the productivity tools that we use can help us to create that margin. So I think the two definitely go together.
1: Okay. Right. Brought up an interesting thought to me too. Um, Like when I, I know I say like way too much, sorry guys. (laughs) When I joined a startup in the um, very early phases I was on the founding team, I said to the CEO when I was mulling over my offer, I was like, I said, there's only one thing I really ask. I can be really good at this. I don't have any question about that, but please, the only thing I'll ask is that don't judge me by the amount of time I spend at my desk. Judge me on the amount of results I have, um, on my results. If I want need to leave, I have kids. If I need to leave at three or four, whatever. You just I want you to trust me and only look at my results, not how much actual space, you know, time I have sitting at my desk. Because some people sit at their desk all day and accomplish very little. And some I've noticed that if I get rid of all of my distractions and I hunker down, I can be incredibly productive in just a few hours. And I'll cause I'll go and thinking, man, this is going to take me four hours. And then all of a sudden, two hours later, I'm like, wow, that wasn't so bad. But it's because I get laser focused on what I'm doing on that moment. at uh, that moment. So switching gears just a little bit about productivity. We talked a little bit about like, making intentional breaks, having other things to do. I think in this pandemic time, it's really easy to bury yourself in work because there's not a whole lot else to do necessarily besides, you know, take care of your family and eat. <laughs> but I... Find different hobbies. For example, I went back to a childhood hobby I had, which was latch hook um, rugs and pillows. So I created this beautiful butterfly pillow. And I was so excited yesterday when my, um, you know, a latch hook, another kit came in because I needed one right away. Because somehow to me, if I'm getting a feeling a little burnt out and I just want a break and taking um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to go do that, all of a sudden I come back refreshed. So,
0: Yeah. I agree. I think everybody should have a hobby. I think it's an, you know, and I can't exactly remember where I first heard this, but the idea was that if you work with your hands, then you should relax by doing something with your mind. So roughly if you repair, if you rebuild cars for a living, then you should read a book. Okay. But if you're a writer, Right. Where you're where the way that you work and make a living is with your mind doesn't mean that people who are rebuilding cars don't use their mind because they are clearly more capable of figuring things out than I am. And I'm very thankful for them. But then you should relax by doing something physical. So maybe that's wrestling with your kids or going for a run or mowing the lawn or doing something like that or building a model train set in the basement, because you have if you spend all of your time only using the same you know, parts of you, then it leads to burnout. Right. And so for me, music has been a big thing. I enjoy, you know, I I do love having four kids because we do wrestle a lot, those types of things. My wife will think, why right before bed, would you want to go upstairs and wrestle on the floor with our two boys? Because to me, that's literally the most relaxing thing that I could do at that point. I enjoy it. It's so fun.
1: It is. I was doing it with my daughter (laughs) I was using it, uh, doing that with my daughter the other day and my son was doing his math homework and he literally yelled across the room, could you guys stop acting like little kids and someone can help me with my homework? And I'm like, I can't do seventh grade math. You're going to go have to ask Marcus. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I have no idea the way you guys are doing it now. Or, like, If I have to have him, help him with math, I have to Google it because I, the way they teach math. And it just annoys me because no one is going. He's in pre-AP, seventh grade math, and he's never going to use that. And his teacher is like super hardcore. She'll send these emails to all the parents, like "Show us what you got." (laughs) And I'm like, "No, this is this is a little intense."
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we are running out of time. So my, I'm gonna let's wrap it up with this. I have a question. We had a we had a conversation. We had a conversation not on the podcast about your laptop. So I'm I'm just curious. So the short version was. You have a, what, 2015-ish Mac, MacBook Air, and it's, I mean, it's getting old, and we've done some things to sort of address some of its performance issues, but, and I think that this would be a conversation that we could carry forward a little bit, but have you reached a decision about whether or not it's time for you to finally upgrade, and if you have, what what are you, where are you leaning?
1: Well, I'm actually glad that I did not yet, because... I spent an obscene amount of money on a non human animal. <laughs> so, right now, I'm, I'm just glad that that money is not spent. It, I don't, we, won't go, we won't go there. I'll start crying. Um, anyway, um, we've done two things.
0: Anyone who has pets understands.
1: I've so. just never thought I would be that person that spend that much money on an animal. But you just, they're family. They are. There's nothing, there's nothing about it. and he was only three years old anyway. But okay, so I was really looking hardcore into woot and slick deals on different um, Macbooks and the Apple refurbished ones that you sent me to which were actually really good deals. But okay, so I tried to clean my Mac which has helped a lot but then just last week I started getting things that, notifications that my disk optimization was bad and I was almost out of room and so, I use iMessages, I'm a big texter, and I have way too many group texts, because I'm so millennial. <laughs> but I noticed, um, I use iMessages on my computer, and all the images and messages were taking up a crap ton of space. So I got rid of all of that, and got at least five gigs back, um, then there were some applications I needed to delete. Uh, but that was not detected by Clean My Clean my Mac, so that was interesting, I just did that by going through the optimization settings on my Mac. And another thing that I gotta give uh, Jason a big props for this is I switched internet browsers. I was using Google Chrome and now I am using Brave, which I have found actually, I don't think I deleted Chrome from my computer, but I took it off my toolbar. Um, I'm using Brave for everything. I was able to import all of my Google Chrome settings and things go way, way faster. I have a lot less frozen pages. Uh, I don't know that I've had any since using brave and things just go a lot quicker. So for right now, I'm good to wait, especially since I kind of want to recoup a little bit of money. And uh, we had a little conversation about, should we wait for Apple Silicon? Because that looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So quickly for people who are listening, brave is essentially it's, It's based on Chromium, which is Google's open source browser technology. That's sort of the abridged version upon which Chrome, the browser, is built. Brave is also built on it. Microsoft Edge is built on it. Um, But Brave's big claim to fame or their big feature, unique selling point, is that it's privacy based. So it has third party tracker blocking, it blocks device fingerprinting, it blocks ads. But it gives you the ability to whitelist very easily. You can, they call them shields. You can turn the shields down for sites that you want to to allow ads because that's how publishers make money. So it's good to have ads. And some sites honestly don't actually work if you have all the shields up. So it gives you control over that. And it actually, when you open up the browser, it even tells you this is how much time you've saved. This is how much bandwidth you've saved. This is how many ads have been blocked. And I just looked actually right before we started and it says on this computer, which is my iMac that I haven't even had that long. It's blocked over 9,000 um, 9, trackers and 400 megabits of bandwidth. And on on my laptop, which I've had longer, it's blocked 151,739 ads since I've been using Brave on there. So if you, if you like Chrome, Brave allows all the same extensions. So you still get that. That's one of the big arguments that people have for using chrome and it pretty much looks the same as chrome it, does. Like it has the same feel it'll familiar
1: experience and like even in the toolbar it's got the little google icon it's using that same yep. search engine i've only been using this for two weeks um 1398 trackers and ads blocked 54.2 megabytes bandwidth saved um so it does say i've only saved two minutes of time which I probably, I disagree with because it doesn't count the time that, you know, my computer freezes and I have to restart it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's only counting load time essentially that you would have suffered if you had to wait for either those ads to load or that kind of thing. So, so I do agree that that's a great, that's a great recommendation for people who are considering, Hey, I've been using Chrome because it's just what people use. And I like a lot of things about it, but it's getting slow or I don't like the fact that it's it's built essentially to support all of Google's services, which is fine, whatever Google's a business, they got to make money. But that's, you know, maybe not always in the best privacy interest of it. Yeah, there are definitely so,
1: privacy concerns with Google. I'm not with Google Chrome. I'm not gonna lie. And I've tried a different program similar to Bray before. I think it might have been just an add-on. And it was not nearly as effective as switching to this new browser
0: so that's a good place to sort of wrap it up. check out brave um, check out Ulysses, check out the suite setup and Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we will we're back on a normal schedule. no more weeks off. Um, we do have a really cool interview coming out on Monday, so please take a look at that as well if you didn't listen to any of our other special episodes so far, please make an effort to do that. I didn't even mention we had one two weeks ago with the co-host of the Apple Insider Podcast where we talked about our watches and all that fun stuff. So lots of good stuff to be listening to and we will talk to you again next week.
1: Thanks everyone.